Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Friday, February 18th edition of the Basement Academy. It's kind of fun to hear from some folks yesterday who have watched maybe all or certainly most of the 450-some-odd episodes, 451 now, I guess, right, episodes. And so maybe maybe there's a t-shirt or something like that, the 400 Club. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for the encouragement. Um, our morning psalm, uh, we've read it a number of times over these last couple of years uh, on day 18. Love it, love it, love it. It, it ties in, There's a. it ends with this notion kind of God fulfilling his purpose for us. And so I think it ties in well with uh, the theme we've been talking about. <clears throat> so Psalm 138. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Hmm. Lord, exalt your name and word today in our midst uh, as we study, as we live our lives. And thank you, Father for fulfilling your eternal purposes in and through us. Amen. All right. Today is our 30th reflection on cultivating the character of Jesus Christ. So ending six weeks of um, study here. Uh, I have enjoyed it uh, and trust that it has been beneficial uh, to you as well. And so just to kind of wrap a couple thoughts up, yesterday ended with the question, what if God puts other people in our lives not to make us happy, but to make us holy? Whew. That is a different kind of mindset, certainly than our world has. And, and frankly, often that we in our own kind of fleshly desires, we want things to go the way we want them to go. And so we often think in terms of relationships, particularly the marriage relationship, but, but you know, co-worker relationships that other people are there to kind of make me happy. And if you don't make me happy, then, you know, off with you. But what if we flipped it and thought, as we talked about, the, the way God has ordained that we learn how to love that chief virtue is to surround us with neighbors and to surround us with neighbors who act and think and, 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 and live differently than we do or we might want them to do. And so that is the key. And so there is something that happens in that laboratory of love, as I've called it, the, the family, but really extending out to all of our neighbors. Any other person, the person in front of you is your neighbor. That is the person to love at this moment. 
because that's the only person we can love, right? The, the neighbor uh, in front of us or, or next to us. And so it's this notion of God's purposes, not for our happiness, but for our holiness. Two scriptures to read. Uh, we read this a uh, little bit earlier in the week, Hebrews chapter 12, about God's discipline. And so verse 10, Hebrews 12, verse 10, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. And so God is not punishing us. He's not spanking us. He's not depriving us, sending us to our room so that we can just feel bad. But there is a training dimension, a a disciple-making dimension to the discipline of the Lord. Endure hardship as discipline is, is how this passage begins. And so God is disciplining us, the trials of our lives, that we are to count joy, right? James chapter one. Uh, the many trials, we're to count it a joy because through this process, as we persevere, as we deepen and grow in our dependence on God, as we cry out, something happens. We begin to take on the character of our Lord, but we begin to take on the holiness of God. Our lives begin to be set apart. We, we think differently. We behave differently. Our attitudes are shaped differently so that when we encounter the neighbor we love as best we can, when we encounter the trial, we endure as best we can. We don't complain. We don't blame. We don't, you know, uh, you know point the finger at, at people and try to, you know, take them down because things are going hard. We say, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? Second Peter has some similar language. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 3, His divine power, that is God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So God's power that's at work within us has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Godliness and holiness and character are really related themes. Through these, that is his glory and goodness, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, that is the precious and great promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's that same concept. Peter understands that God has done something in pouring out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, pouring out his Holy Spirit into the lives of all who believe. There is now a power at work within us to enable us to follow, to obey, to persevere, uh, and, and a power that transforms. It works on us from the inside out. Heaven gets inside of us, so to speak. And God grants these precious and very great promises to us that we might trust them. We might follow him and participate in the divine nature. Well, as we come to be conformed to the image of Christ, that that nature comes to be in us, Christ's very presence within us. So, God's purpose is for us to be holy. Our happiness, okay, the chief end, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So we talked about that a couple weeks ago. I'm arguing 
in an extended way for these several weeks, that as we come to bear the character of Christ, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. John 15. The fruit of the Spirit, that is the Spirit now within, that the manifestation of the Spirit's presence in our lives over time is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These nine character qualities, Christ-like character qualities that emerge out of our lives. Not all at the same time, not all in the same measure, but these are, this is what God is doing in the lives of his people. So as we, the chief end, the chief purpose, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me, Psalm 138. The chief purpose of God is that we glorify him, we, that we become conformed to the image of Christ. And so to wrap up, I would argue if this is our chief end, everything else in life is a means towards that end. If there is but one chief end, one chief goal, one chief outcome, aim, purpose, telos of our lives, to be conformed to the image of Christ, which leads to God's glory and to our great joy, then everything else in life is a means towards that end, okay? So, I've got listed a number of things on the board. God's word and spirit are means towards the end of shaping and conforming us towards Christ's likeness, leading us to Jesus. We often call these the means of grace. The word of God, the spirit of God, the fellowship of God's people, the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer, song, kind of sounds like the spiritual disciplines, but the means of grace, God has ordained that these means, when we hear the word of God, the spirit attends that reading. And, and, and so we ask for God's spirit to apply and to deepen our understanding. So the word and spirit working together to embed the truth into our lives, to, to drive out the vice that that would plant the virtue. So God's truth, these means of grace, as we take the sacraments, we we embrace Jesus Christ, body and blood. We, we take him inwardly afresh. We're washed anew in our baptism and included in the covenant family. So the, his word, the spirit, the church itself. Um, but, but also, so these are all means towards the end of shaping our lives. So, so we don't go to church to spectate. We don't go to church to consume. We don't go to church to get something out of it. We go to church to listen and attend and to receive and embrace and, and to trust and to live so that when we exit that church building, we're different people and we're walking more fully and faithfully uh, in the path of, of Jesus Christ. A trials, uh, suffering, as we've talked about earlier this week, are a means to the end of, of shaping our lives, to the end of, of knowing him. Our work, our work becomes a means to the end. And work is hard. I mean, work is work, right? And I recognize that different jobs require different tasks, physical, mental, uh, and otherwise. But by the sweat of your brow, uh, Adam, you will labor. Uh, thorns and thistles shall you harvest um, the earth. And so everyone's work is hard. Everyone's work has something in it. Uh, that is difficult. There's often great joy in our work also, the joy of accomplishment, but, but work is hard. So it's a means to the end. God made us to work. Adam, tend the garden. 
Adam and Eve be fruitful and multiply. And so building and expanding and, and deepening and, and, and creating. So our labor, tending the garden, building bridges and cities and, and works of art and mathematic equations and all of this work that we do is a means to the end. God is teaching us to trust him. And so we, work, we trust that he's working through our work uh, to bless others. Um, and then we've been talking about relationships, marriage, family, children, um, co-workers, neighbors in general, right? Um, and, and so to that end, I want to kind of close out with a couple, um, just have picked up a couple quotes along the way or little vignettes or I'm not sure exactly what to say it, but, but let me, let me read, read this one. It says, Anything that annoys you is teaching you patience. So there's that notion of counting it joy for the trial. Anything that annoys you is teaching you patience. Anyone who abandons you is teaching you how to stand up on your own two feet. Anything that angers you is teaching you forgiveness and compassion. Anything that has power over you is teaching you how to take your power back. So do not be enslaved to anyone or anything, right? Anything you hate is teaching you unconditional love. Mm, think about that one. Anything you fear is teaching you courage to overcome your fear. Anything you can't control is teaching you how to let go. So this is Jason Kiddered. Never heard of the guy. But I think there's some wisdom here. It's recognizing that there is a purpose in the, the difficult people in our lives, uh, those who abandon us or reject us or, or you know, speak against us in some way. There's, a, there's a, a challenge in there, but there's a lesson as well that which angers us and, and, and that which stirs our blood. All of these things are means to an end, this chief end. <laughs> God is using all of these things that we might participate in holiness, might participate in his nature. That alone can reframe the thing you're going through. Whatever thing it is that you're going through, you've got that person in your life, that, 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 that situation with a family member, the situation with a coworker, that situation with a neighbor. Uh, when you reframe that maybe God has a teaching purpose, a disciplining purpose in that relationship or that difficult season or that financial crisis or whatever it might be, God has a purpose for it. He's working all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. That purpose to be holy, that purpose to be like Christ, that purpose to glorify and enjoy God. The other quote, uh, this doesn't tell me who, it's from the Minds Journal, as in Minds. Marriage is hard but divorce is hard. So choose your hard. Obesity is hard, but being fit is hard. Choose the hard thing. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. Choose your hard. Communication is hard, but not 
communicating is hard also. Again, choose. Choose which hard thing you want. Life will never be easy. It will always be hard. But we can choose our hard. So choose wisely. Kind of like that. You know, it's a little, little, you know, pop culture-y maybe. But there's, again, some wisdom. Friends, a successful, happy, intimate, faithful, loving marriage that goes the distance is hard work. But friends, so is divorce. <laughs> so you're going to work hard. So why not choose, you know, the, 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 the good path? Obesity is hard, but so is staying fit. And, and so it just makes sense. Being in debt is hard. Being financially disciplined is hard. And so what I think what this encourages me, it, it makes me think, take initiative, lean in. We, we can't be in control of everything. In fact, we are not in control of everything. We know that. But with intent, with purpose, with um, some integrity around the sense of call to be conformed, let us choose the hard thing. Choose the spiritual disciplines. Choose to get, get up out of bed and go to church. <laughs> a lot of people have broken the habit of going to church. And some of what I'm reading is they're, you know, the church experts are thinking some folks are never coming back again. Don't be one of those people. I, I get that, you know, we're in a pandemic. I get that there's health stuff. But most people who aren't going to church are going other places. Get out of bed go to church. So choose the spiritual disciplines. Get up in the morning. Say your prayers. Just, you know, set that alarm clock 20 minutes earlier. When you encounter that difficult person, choose. You're going to get churned up anyway. That's going to be a hard thing to control your temper. So why not choose to forbear with that person, to forgive that person, to hang in there, to get to know that person, to pray for that person. Do that hard thing and see if it doesn't change the way you relate to that individual. And so I like that. <clears throat> this intentionality with which uh, we can choose insofar as it depends on us, insofar as it depends on us, let us choose. Let us choose the path of Christ. Let us choose uh, to embrace uh, the, the, the virtues let us choose to uh, hold fast the word of God, to abide in the vine, to bring forth fruit for his glory. We can't make that fruit come, but we can work with the conditions that are congenial to that fruit coming, if that makes sense. So the conditions of listening to God's word, the, the, the condition of meditating and reflecting, again, the spiritual disciplines, the, the, the conditions that we give ourselves to become congenial and so as we try to forgive and as we make that our goal and we try to listen better and these are the, the, the these help to, to, to ter, uh, kind of stir or till the soil of the heart and out of that over time comes a holiness, comes a, a, a glory uh, and joy uh, with God, a, a character. And so all of these means that we engage in lead to this good and, and glorious end of, of being like uh, our, our Lord and Savior. And so I think we read this uh, the first week. This, this wraps up the kind of first John. Oh, goodness, it's in here somewhere, right? 
1 John chapter 3. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. When He appears, we shall be like Him. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. That's our hope. That's our confidence. That's what gives us our joy. That's what enables us to press on and persevere through the trials of our life. So this will wrap up our uh, cultivating series, cultivating the character series. Let me just extend an invitation. I know this is Friday. We're going to post on the church website uh, that little button where you can click and submit a question anonymously. Feel free if you want. If you don't care, you can put your name to it. But to preserve anonymity and, and freedom there of asking whatever question you like, uh, we'll have a button on the website. You can also email me directly. I've got a couple questions that have been hanging out there that folks have asked, so I think I'll start with those uh, on Monday. Uh and I'll await, and my guess is, I think the last time this went three weeks, maybe. Maybe it'll be two weeks. You know, it's been about a year or so since we uh, did a, a question and answer. But really, you can ask any biblical, theological question, ask about the church. You know, uh, you can ask other questions. I may, just may not be able to answer them, right? But if, if it stays within the realm of, you know, our Basement Academy themes and topics, feel free to ask questions about what we have been studying. And, and feel free to put in requests for um, topics that you and studies that you would love uh, for me to take on in these coming uh, weeks and months, okay? So let's close with prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you for these several weeks of contemplating such a glorious, glorious topic of becoming like our Lord Jesus Christ. May it ever be so in each of our lives. May we have moved from one degree of glory to another, somehow mysteriously under the work of your Holy Spirit. And may that work which you have begun in us be brought to completion, wholeness, to the telos, uh, this glorious and chief end. Do this, we pray, for your glory, for the strengthening and joy of our lives, and for the benefit uh, of our family's church and this world. We make our prayer now in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ lift his face upon you, bless you, keep you, watch over you this day and forevermore. Amen.